0: Hi, friend. Welcome to North City Church's podcast. We're a community that loves our neighbors in the way of Jesus. and We hope that this message or teaching empowers you to do just that in your everyday life. If you want to learn more about the ways our community is trying to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and online at northcitychurchmpls.com. Enjoy the message. Today, I'm going to talk about the one thing that I recommend most for the spiritual vitality of people's lives. This is the one thing that I recommend most, and I'm going to help you design it in your life today. So hang on, we'll get there. Let me tell you something that I learned recently that seems like as a Minnesotan, uh, (laughs) did I just say Minnesotant? (laughs) As a Minnesotan, I uh, should know about. Uh, Back in the day, uh, back a long time ago when farming was a big industry in the Midwest. And uh, in the Midwest, as you know, living here, we experienced probably one or two big blizzards. And then every once in a while, like a decade, huge blizzard. I don't know if you remember being in one of those. But if you've ever gone outside or tried to drive in a blizzard, it's extremely disorienting. And I learned recently that uh, previous to some technology we have now, farmers in particular and people who had bigger properties that wanted to travel from one building on the property to another uh, safely during a blizzard would tie a rope from, say, their back door to their barn. And they would use this rope to navigate in the midst of the blizzard when they had to, you know, for instance, milk the cows because the cows have to be milked. (laughs) I know nothing about that world, but I'm sure that's a thing. And they would use these ropes even when in the most intense of blizzards uh, where they couldn't even see the hand in front of them sometimes uh, to make it to the next building to weather the storm. And I guess tragically, many... Uh, people died right on their own property. Some some of them uh, just a few feet away from their front door that didn't employ this method of navigation through the blizzard when it can be so disorienting. And that's tragic. It's kind of a sad story when you think about it. But it's also a wonderful image of what we need in our own lives to navigate the storms and the blizzards that come and disorient us in our lives. If you've learned anything this fall, you've learned that uh, to be an adult, uh, to be a serious follower of Jesus, someone that engages in their emotional health along with their spirituality, you will encounter storms. You will encounter disorientation, either from outside circumstances like a pandemic, like quarantine, like isolation that we've experienced the last year and a half, or doubt, or a significant loss or tragedy in your life that come from the outside. Also, if you do the serious work of emotionally healthy spirituality, you will do some internal work that might bring up some disorientation in your own life, that might bring up questions that you don't immediately have answers to, all of which surround our lives and put us in a situation that feels like a storm. Sometimes so much so that in an emotional sense or a cognitive sense, we don't know where to take our next step. And the question becomes, the question is, In those moments, what is our rope? What are our ropes? What do we use to navigate those seasons of our life or just everyday life that can be chaotic to help us reach the destinations we're called to or just sometimes survive and take the next step? Well, as I mentioned earlier, today I get to talk about the one thing that I recommend most in spiritual vitality and I think it's the number one Rope that helps us navigate these storms in our life, and that is Sabbath. Sabbath is a spiritual discipline, and I think the ropes in our life, the best of them spiritually, are spiritual disciplines. But I think, in some sense, Sabbath is a top three spiritual discipline for me, and I think the reason why is it is sort of a container, can be a container for the rest of the content of what spiritual disciplines can be. So today we're talking about uh, incorporating in our life as a step towards emotionally healthy spirituality, the practice of Sabbath. So the next few moments I'm going to talk about what even is Sabbath? What does that actually mean for us? Because uh, if you've been following Jesus a while, I've been in a church context, you've probably definitely heard that word Sabbath. Maybe you've been practicing some sort of Sabbath for a while. Maybe you're carrying around guilt in your life that you feel like you should be practicing that, but there's barriers or misunderstanding around that. We're going to get to that today. And please don't I hope that you're not carrying that guilt by the end of this conversation uh, together. But there's a lot of mystery about what Sabbath actually is. And in many ways, modern life has just moved far beyond this. And modern Christian practice, in many ways, has not really emphasized or uh, taught Sabbath well. So the first half of what I want to do is just say, what is Sabbath? Sabbath. And what does it mean in our lives if we choose to observe it, if we choose to remember it, if we choose to prioritize it and making it an, it an intention in our lives? What is it and why does it matter in our life? And then the second half, I'm going to get very practical and I'm going to help you design a Sabbath practice in your life by looking through a few lenses and actually making some decisions, maybe restructuring your life a little bit to invest in this practice. So what is Sabbath? I'm going to just take a stab at a simple definition of Sabbath. Sabbath is a weekly 24-hour period you set aside to intentionally stop, rest, and connect with God and others. Let me say that again as a definition. A weekly 24-hour period you set aside to intentionally stop, rest, and connect with others. So Let me talk at length uh, about what Sabbath is and maybe give a little uh, more definition to each of those components of that definition of Sabbath and why it's meaningful for you. First of all, that 24-hour period, I do really recommend that we put a stake in our weekly lives and do a 24-hour period. It's a period of intention. That uh, it's not just a day off. It's not just the absence of something. It's the presence of intention in our lives to stop, to intentionally resist and move away from something or cease to do something intentionally for rest and not just falling asleep or collapsing, but a rest that brings rejuvenation and specifically for connection with God and connection with others around us. So before I get into my explanations of Sabbath, I couldn't help but share this very succinct, very dense, very wonderful video that the Bible Project put together because I know many of you love biblical theology. You love systematic theology. You, you love when people carry a theme through the, <coughs> through the biblical narrative that uh, demonstrates the importance of a theme like Sabbath. So I couldn't help but share this video that will give you the richness and the meaning of what Sabbath is from the very beginning of the story of God to our present day through Jesus and how meaningful it is. So check this out. The number seven
1: is a big deal in the Bible. Yeah, in Biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of fullness or completeness. And that's something we all long for, but don't often
2: experience. Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no
1: real rest. Yes. Now keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish. And this happens over the course of six days. Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. And that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it doesn't appear on day seven. It's like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans, who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. But the humans are deceived by a dark power and they forfeit that rest. They are exiled into the wilderness where they have to work as slaves to the land. Until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so they can share it with others. But how? They are in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who is grinding them into the dust. So God confronts Egypt and liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the Promised Land.
2: Now while they are on their way, they find themselves
1: in the wilderness. It's easy to get lost. Life is a struggle. They're not in the land of rest yet. But while they're on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they're in the promised land. But how do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world. So take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come. Yeah, this is the Sabbath, celebrated every week on the seventh day. But there's more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. That is a lot of sevens. And there's even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And then, every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest, called... The year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven, everything restored. Wow, so the Sabbath, these feasts, the year of Jubilee, it's all pointing towards the hope
2: of future rest.
1: Right. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their God, and so they forfeited their chance for rest in the promised land.
2: They're exiled and enslaved again by an oppressive nation, led back into a world of
1: chaos and disorder. But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day and that the ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come, but generations go by and they're still waiting. It's at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears and
2: he launches his public mission on a Sabbath day.
1: Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the year of the Lord's favor.
2: What did he mean this is the year of the Lord's favor?
1: He was talking about the ultimate Jubilee. Ah, So Jesus is claiming that seventh-day rest would come through him. Right. He said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath and he confronted disorder and darkness in all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet, Jesus was killed, so even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way. But notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath, and on the eighth day, he rose from the dead. Oh wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week? Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation, where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of
2: the resurrection, we have hope in God's promise of future rest. But
1: we're not there yet. It's like we're still in the wilderness where we experience struggle and pain. But as we journey towards that ultimate seventh day, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now by following him or in his words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened,
0: and I will give you rest. The first thing I want to say about the Sabbath is Sabbath is a gift from God. It's very important to note from the beginning of the story, Sabbath is something that God does first. Our God rests. God stops. God rests. This is really important to understand because I think the most meaningful things in our life flow from our image of God. The most meaningful things in our life, the convictions and behaviors we have flow from our image, our perception of who God is and how he operates in the world. And it's really important to understand this about the God that we follow and serve in Jesus. God who created the universe stopped and he rested. And I think immediately when I think of that image of God stopping and resting, I think God just not having motion or not doing anything. But maybe a better way to understand this is God stopped and delighted in. It's, I think, appropriate to to translate the Hebrew word Shabbat as delight as well, not just ceasing or stopping. But God stopped and delighted in what he made and said it was very good and invited Adam and Eve and humans from throughout time to stop and enjoy what we actually produce, what we co-create with God. This is so counter to a uh, image of God that is a distant uh production oriented God. That God is only concerned about what you can do for him in this world. And if we're honest, that image of God, the image of that God is very pervasive, pervasive in our uh church context that um really when we get down to it what we celebrate is the things we do for god and what we don't often celebrate is the things we do with god the ways that we're just with him in his presence and it's very important to us to start this conversation off by understanding god rests God does this first and invites us as a gift into this practice. Jesus articulates this so well <laughs> when the Pharisees criticize him for doing something that's, uh, according to their law, not appropriate on the Sabbath. He says this phrase, Sabbath is made for man. Man is not made for Sabbath. And this is really important because I think Sabbath throughout different periods of time has become uh, something. That is legalistic, something we have to have to do. You cannot work today. Businesses are closed. This sort of thing, like it becomes the perception of a legalistic act. And in reality, it's a gift. It's something given to us by God to receive, to join him in enjoying the world that he has created. When I did a podcast before on the Sabbath with Christian Ann, one of the key phrases that stuck out to me from that conversation was, what if you spend your whole life building the life you think you should have and you never stop to enjoy it? I think God thinks similarly. He doesn't want us to just be busy about our days, creating the things that should be in the world. He wants us to pause and enjoy them. So number one, Sabbath is a gift from God. Number two, Sabbath is a faith filled resistance, a resistance, you say, J.D., you're like, really? Um, and yes, and I hope you caught this in the Bible Project story, how the Sabbath, the practice of Sabbath, the importance of Sabbath in the people of God's rhythm of following God was born out of exploitation, was born out of slavery, was born out of exile, particularly in reference to Egypt and Babylon. It was a really important counter-cultural practice or an alternative to the culture around them. And Sabbath is 100% absolutely that still today. If you choose to practice Sabbath in your life, you will go against the grain of so many cultural waves and movements in our life, particularly in the U.S. And this is why Sabbath is a faith-filled resistance against those cultures and things. So let me double click a little bit and say it's a faith-filled resistance against a culture filled with anxiety. Anx- anxiety in our life can be clinical. It could be imbalances in our brain, but it also can be low-grade anxiety from life, <coughs> which most most of us experience. And in my understanding and experience, those anxieties come out of unfulfilled desires. Those anxieties come out of, they're akin to fear, emotional responses we have to not getting something, not receiving something we feel like we need in our life. That can be love and attention. It can be food. It can be shelter. It can be some sense of significance in our life. And a lot of times those anxieties are the true motivations that are pushing us and compelling us through life. And Sabbath is a beautiful, faithful resistance to those anxieties motivating your life. Because when we stop, intentionally stop and rest, we are, uh, if that is a river that's pushing us downstream, we are putting a stake in the center of that current and saying, you will not push me any further. The desires that are stirring up emotions and anxiety in my life, when you say I'm stopping, from the anxiety of wondering if I have significance and trying to fill that with my work by stopping work and saying that six days of work is enough or five days of work is enough, then you're actively faith-filled, you have an active faith-filled resistance against the culture of anxiety around you. My friend, not my friend, I wish he was my friend. He seems pretty cool. A guy I've learned from a lot, John Mark Comer, has written a couple books, and this one has been very meaningful for me. It's called The Ruthless uh, Elimination of Hurry. It's in one of my top 10 recommended books of the year, maybe top three recommended books of the year to people, and he has a whole section on Sabbath, and he has this really interesting equation that I think speaks to the culture of anxiety we resist through Sabbath. He says, infinite desires, which is what we're uh, subjected to in American culture, there is this pervasive understanding that life is about achieving desires and whatever desire that is, you should go for it. This is this hedonistic sort of impulse of American life. The house, the cars, (coughs) the achievements, whatever you desire, if you set your mind to it and work hard enough, you can achieve it. That just creates an infinite... (laughs) expectation of fulfilled desires. And if you take that in equation, infinite desires minus human, what it means to be human, meaning finite capacities, finite abilities to achieve our desires, that always equals in the equation, restlessness. We will always be restless. If we are always push down life by the current of our anxieties. And Sabbath is the best gift that God has given us to faithfully resist that in our life as an act of faith to say, I'm stopping in my restlessness and trusting in God with those unmet desires that I have with this whole day to pursue connection with him and with others and rest for my body. Faith-filled resistance uh, in Sabbath also resists coercion or exploitation. And this comes from those two stories that I mentioned, the story of Israel and slavery and the story of exile in Babylon. Both of those instances, the very community of Israel, their very bodies were owned by other nation states. They were owned by other people. And Sabbath is bore out of this narrative of juxtaposing the God of Sabbath, the God who rests with Pharaoh, who considers himself a God. And he is the God of endless production and endless demands on people's lives. And we are naive if we don't think we live in a cultural context that culturally demands a certain level of productivity. What you produce uh, is inherently a communication about your value In the United States, we have to observe that we have to note that. And so there is this demand, just like Egypt in its day, we aren't under slavery, per se, but we are under the bondage of that culture of demand of productivity, that you are what you produce, you are what success level you make in the world's (coughs) world's eyes when you take a Sabbath, you are going against the grain of that narrative. You're resisting that narrative and saying, my value is not in what my body produces. And more than that, my my body is not yours to extort. My body is mine. It's a gift from God. I'm made in his, his image. And I'm going to listen to what God desires for my body, not what the culture demands of it, which is endless 80, 90 hours of work sometimes or uh, endless desire seeking through consumption of content on the internet or shopping for things or buying things, you can get pulled into this, this reality where there's you name it kind of force that wants dis- wants things from your body and owns your body. And by s- Sabbathing, by choosing to do that, you're saying one day a week, I am for sure stopping and taking ownership over my body. You have to realize how revolutionary that was for a community that used to be slaves coming out of slavery in the Exodus and their God saying, I'm a God of rest. Moses, when he gives the 10 commandments, actually explicitly, Explicitly ties the practice of Sabbath as a restoration practice out of slavery, as a way to say, this will train your body to remember that you're not a slave. This will train your body to remember that you're not a slave to other people's expectations. You're not a slave to your work's demands. God gave you a body, He gave you a mind, He gave you a life to live in relationship with Him that is not defined uh, by anyone else. Um, so it's a faith filled resistance to coercion and exploitation. It's a faith filled, uh, resistance to exclusivism and individualism. So much of our life, another narrative that Sabbath pushes against is that my life is my own and I need to live it in this isolated sort of way. Sabbaths in the old Testament and all the way through (coughs) are inherently social. Inherently, have a component of connection with them. Connection with God, first and foremost, primarily, but then connection with your neighbor. In Exodus, as Moses is describing the Sabbath practice in the New Testament, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, actually, in the season of Exodus that they're in, he describes at great length the treatment of widows, orphans, and foreigners in the midst of Sabbath practice. So inherently in Israel's practice of Sabbath, and this translates to Jesus' compassion that he heals people on the Sabbath. This is his way of echoing that same sentiment. The Sabbath is not only just for you and your rejuvenation, but the Sabbath is to reorient, reorient your life towards God so that it can be reoriented towards others for compassion towards your neighbor. The Sabbath is for neighborliness. When you choose to practice Sabbath in your life and stop for a whole day and don't participate in consumerism, don't participate in the grind of the work life in the US that we have, your heart gets reoriented towards a rootedness and a neighborliness that is actually slowly healing our neighborhoods from the exploitation of consumerism, for the exploitation of the now, have to have it now, have to work so hard to get it. It's also a faith filled resistance to envy, because if you are just succumb to your unmet desires, which Sabbath guards against and protects you against, then you will just be (laughs) full of envy all the time. Because remember, infinite desires minus your finite life will never equal restfulness. It will equal restlessness. And in that restlessness, when anxiety is the pervasive thing that dominates your life, you won't be able to help but look at what your neighbor has and covet it, envy it, want it for yourself, and gloat and sit there and think about what you don't have. Sabbath is an active way to pursue and recognize what you do have. Sabbath is a way to look around your life and enjoy the gifts that God has given you in relationships in the food that you have, in the home that you occupy, in the neighborhood that you live in, in the beauty of Minneapolis or wherever you live around you, instead of envying and wondering, could I live there? Or could I be like this person? Or could I have that thing? Sabbath is intentionally stopping and saying, I am grateful for what I do have. And gratitude is the best antidote for envy. Okay, one last thing that Sabbath is. And then we'll get into designing this for our lives. I'm excited to do that with you. Sabbath is rest and worship. In Exodus, or excuse me, uh, Deuteronomy, uh, no, Exodus, when the, when the Ten Commandments are given from Mount Sinai, the specific commandment, which is important to note, Sabbath is a commandment that God gives. And it's right in the center of what God gives as a commandment. And He says it this way It says, Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That word remember isn't just like, oh yeah, put the reminder in my phone. It's uh, order your life around Sabbath. Make Sabbath a centerpiece of your life. Make this a rhythmic thing in how you do your week, your month, your year. Sabbath is a way of life, not just a day off. And keep it holy. So there's this restfulness, this stopping, and this worship; those are the two components of this. And rest. Let me say that a little bit about that because I've been referencing that a lot. And what's the difference between Sabbath and, <coughs> excuse me, a day off? I think this is really important because uh, a sort of low version of what Sabbath is, if you don't take it seriously, uh, this is actually uh, Eugene Peterson says, excuse my language here, his language, that a day off is the bastard version of what a Sabbath is. And that's really harsh language, but what he means by that is a day off where you're running around doing groceries, doing all the things you can't do when you're working is not actually what we're talking about with Sabbath because it's not actually centered on rest. Sabbath is creating, working for, having the intention to create margin in your life, to choose the things that are restful. And restful things are not just things that you're stopping from, but things that actually rejuvenate you. And I think that's an important difference, because when we think of rest, we might just think taking a nap. And that is good. It's good to take a nap, but it's not just the absence of things or the stopping of things. It's the choosing of things that intentionally rejuvenate your life. And so some really important examples here is like uh, sometimes when I'm tired, I just pick up my phone and start scrolling Instagram. That is not rest. That actually makes me more restless for sure. Although I'm not doing anything, uh, it's, a, it's inactivity really. Uh, it's not restful. It's not rejuvi- rejuvenating to me. It might be entertaining, uh, but it's not rejuvenating. Same with like video games or something like that. When I sit down, they're kind of fun, but at the end, I feel like angsty, mostly because I'm bad at them. So I'm not good at them. But some people, they are actually restful. So you have to pay attention to what rejuvenates you, not just stopping. And I, I would say this is the number one thing that that gets me sometimes in terms of Sabbath when I actually practice it with Christian Ann. If we don't have an intentional plan for the day, we have the morning and it's kind of restful, but then we kind of get angsty at about like 10, 11 o'clock and we're like, what are we actually gonna do today? And it, be, it becomes restless if you don't have intentional choices about what actually rejuvenates you. So we'll get into that a little bit. So that's rest, choosing real rest. Sabbath is rest. It is also worship. And that's what I'm trying to communicate with that definition of Sabbath, a, uh, <coughs> a restful connection with God and others. I love the term attunement. So you think of a pitch, uh, a, a tuning fork when you hit that, and then you attune your voice or your instrument to it. That's what I'm really talking about in worship. It's not just worship music is mandatory or it's not just necessarily going to church that what we would normally think of as worship. What I think matters most is you describing or being able to articulate what helps you to attune to God's presence and attune to the presence of others in your life best. So sometimes that's reading scripture. Sometimes it's reading uh a book on spiritual discipline or something like, something that invigorates your faith. Sometimes it's going for a walk. Sometimes it might be going to dinner church if you design your week, which I would suggest to have Sunday being your Sabbath and dinner church being the culmination of it. There's some sort of spiritual practice that attunes your life to God and others. That's the other thing. Um, And I would say the number one enemy of connection and attunement our screens, (laughs) our uh, cell phones. And I can name right now that I am the chief among sinners that my cell phone, my screens creep into my Sabbath and they're usually never helpful. And they're actually barriers of connection with my children, my wife, and my neighbors that I try to connect with. So Sabbath is rest and worship. Really what it's designed to be is the light. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Hebrew word for Sabbath, Shabbat, could be easily translated delight as well, pausing to delight. And Dan Adler, uh, in his book Sabbath, wrote this about the Sabbath, which I think is just a piercing uh, quote that's worth quoting at length about how Sabbath is supposed to be about delight, but many of us uh, can't handle the intensity of it sometimes. He says, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter the light. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought is the best day of our weeks. It is the day that we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or whatever the days prior to practicing it are. And it's the day that we remember for the days following. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast play, dance, not so much me, but maybe you, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, walk, uh, watch creation in its fullness. You fill in the blank with the things that fill you up. Few people are willing to enter into Sabbath and sanctify it and make it holy because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime sometimes, let alone a week. And I think there's some piercing truth in this, in that much of our life, and I'll be the first to admit this, is so driven by our unmet desires, is so driven by our perceptions of uh, us needing to prove something through our work, or us needing to pursue identity through different things, that when we actually create this space in our life, it can be disorienting in itself to actually pause and create space for you to be rejuvenated, create space for you to have a meaningful connection with God, create space for you to meaningfully connect with others. And the sad thing to grieve about life and modern life right now is that the way that many of us have been living our lives has disabled us in many ways from truly entering into a restful life that God wants for us. But Jesus, in a quote that's been so meaningful for North City, says, "Um, come away with me and rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, and I will give you rest. That's a conglomeration of a couple verses, but that's what his communication is. Jesus calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. As that Bible project explained, that has a very deep meaning, but in its simplest form, it means that he is the one who can lead you into this kind of rest when we maybe aren't ready to create it for ourselves. So that's a deep dive into what Sabbath is. I'm sure it's a lot more than that. Um, I'm sure you have some perceptions of what Sabbath is, but let's get practical now. Let's talk about what this would mean to design this in your life. So my definition earlier is also my recommendation. First thing you need to do, this is the most important simple step that you can take. And maybe you've already taken this step. That's great. But if you haven't yet, please, as your pastor As someone who you've listened to for the past 25 minutes, if you're not, if I'm not your pastor, if if you care at all about my um, my influence in your life, I plead you, please find 24 hours weekly, and I mean that 24 hours weekly. And I recommend, I've recommended before, like chunking it up and taking little bits. I, I I've done that less and less. I highly recommend that you tenaciously pursue the opportunity somehow uh to find a solid 24-hour stretch in your life and I think that cycle is very important. So, the first step is to take that 24 hours. So, what is that for you? Right now, uh, for me, for the past almost man, 10 years, it has been Fridays for me because I work Sundays, my weekends are a little off. And Christian Ann and I are actually talking about shifting it slightly. Uh, This is part of the question that comes up sometimes. Does it have to be like morning to evening? There's not a lot of have-tos in Sabbath. It's about designing something that works for you and is restful and worshipful. And so we've talked about even shifting it to... um, sun up to some or sundown to sundown. So a Friday evening to a Saturday evening. Uh, That works for a lot of people as well. That's actually a really traditional practice amongst the Jewish community um, to do that on a Friday evening through a Saturday evening. So whatever that space is for you, pick it right now, even if it's arbitrarily, even if it's like hypothetically. And if you write it down, you're like, oh, I got to change a lot of stuff. That's okay. Leave that there. Pick a time right now. The next step you're gonna do is we're gonna talk about Sabbath through two lenses that I've already mentioned already. You're gonna start, you have a big bucket of 24 hours, and so you're like, what the heck am I gonna do? And we're gonna think in terms of two things, and I want you to literally, on a piece of paper, take a day, whether it's Friday, Saturday, or some combination of that, uh, or some day, and to put two big buckets below it on a sheet of paper. And above one bucket, write rest. In another bucket, write worship or connection with God, attunement with God, however you want to describe it. And maybe press pause on this video and for the next few minutes, write in what is actually restful for you. What is actually rejuvenating for you? What activities and choices actually are restful for you? The next one, connection with God. And I would add with others, what does that actually look like for you? Where do you feel most connected with God? And what practices do you feel most connected with God? As I briefly alluded to earlier, I think the best design for a Sabbath, uh, if you have a a day to choose, is Sunday. um, Because uh, still culturally, there's some margin for this in our lives, even though there isn't a lot. And Selfishly for our community, we have our community dinners on Sunday nights, which I think is a excellent practice and culmination for a Sabbath practice. But many people choose another day, choose Saturday or someday during the week, depending on work schedule. But take a few moments and fill in what is actually restful for you, accumulate a list and what is actually worshipful. And Sabbath is the best of those two things intentionally planned out for a time. So take some time to do that. All right. After you've taken some time to identify what is restful for you and what is worshipful for you, um, I'm going to drill down a little bit further with you and maybe there's some overlap in what we're doing, uh, what we're going to do next, but it'll help you. Uh, my goal is for you to have a list of things that you can start putting in your Sabbath bucket, if you will. And so have some go-to things to fill your Sabbaths with intention. So Um, We're going to look at the four core principles or four core pillars of what Sabbath are. This comes from Pete Scazzaro's work from Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and I think it's really good and helpful. Some of these are repeats, so you can just drag some of the same stuff you've already said. That four are stop, rest, delight, and his word is contemplate. Stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. Now, this is another way to get at some of the same things we just talked about. So write those four words down uh, with sections to fill in some more things below them on your sheet of paper. Now I want you to take some time uh, to fill in what this looks like for you. So let's start with stop. What is it actually going to look like for you to stop working, to stop for a day? And for me, and this is what I recommend, it's stopping from the work of the house, like running your life. It's stopping from the work that you actually get employed for, the things you're trying to build in the world, or who employs you. And there is a sense of stopping from other different forms of responsibility we have. And I think that's really important. And so you need to be strategic about what this means. So practically, like... Uh, I think some of you may need to, who have a schedule that's kind of dictated by someone else may need to advocate for yourself. And I know many of you have had to be kind of sticklers on saying, don't schedule me on Sunday. Don't schedule me on Saturday or whenever it is. Some of you, uh, need to put the laptop away, need to turn the TV, or uh, turn the phone off. Um, some of you need to, uh, tell people in your office that you will not be reached (laughs) on that day. I explicitly tell the North city staff, Hey, Fridays are our Sabbath. So you're not going to be able to call me. And if you, if it's an emergency, you knew how to get a hold of me, you know, people who know me, but my phone is typically off. Uh, if it's emergency emergency, I'll respond on Friday, but typically, uh, this is, only happened to me maybe a few times where there's truly something I need to respond to on my Sabbath. And it's very good to figure out what it means for you to stop. One other aspect of stopping is that Christian Ann and I have even experimented with not buying anything on this day. And that's partly um, like not uh, participating in the consumeristic culture that pervades, that we're trying to go against the grain of, if you will. So um, so much of our life is like, oh I gotta grab that thing or I gotta get that thing. Now it's Christmas season, so what Christmas presents do I need to buy? And at different phases in our life we've even stopped from doing that. Rest, you've already filled this in. What's actually rejuvenating for you, what's restful for you? Delight. What actually brings you delight? What makes you come alive? What do you love to do? Is it do you love to cook? Do you love to go see a good movie? Do you love to have friends over? Do you love to drink good wine? What is it that you love to do? Fill your Sabbaths with things you love to do. Delight. And then contemplate. And I think this is another iteration of worship and connection. But I think a deeper level of understanding for this contemplate is this reality in which we have enough pause in our life, we have enough calm in our life because we've taken the steps of stopping, resting, and delighting that we can sit there and observe our own lives and observe God's presence and the presence of others around us. I don't know about you, but this is where Sabbath becomes a way of life. I want to more deeply in my faith in my life, have a fuller awareness of God in everyday moments And a fuller awareness of myself and a fuller awareness of others around me. Like that's a lifelong journey. And Sabbaths are when you kind of, you know, there's days in weightlifting where you do your big lift or there's days in running where you have your big run, where you really stretch yourself. This is a moment in your Sabbath where you're going to cultivate a moment in your Sabbath, whether it's through scripture reading whether it's through any of the things that you already wrote down in the worship section, uh, silence, solitude, where you create that space to really calm and attune yourself to God's presence. So take some time, uh, stop, rest, uh, delight, and contemplate, fill in a little bit more detail. All right, so you have a lot of tools in your tool belt now to design a Sabbath, So the first thing you do is take that first step and mark it in your calendar, create some parameters around it. And I would even suggest that it's going to take some time to prepare for it. So whether it's the night before for me, like a Thursday night, I do like do the dishes. I make the phone calls, answer all the emails, put the away from office thing on my, on my thing. I go do the grocery run if needed. Like, um, All the things you need to prepare for the night before, plan that time in, some preparation time. And then the next upcoming time, which I hope uh, can be even next week for you, the start of this practice, or maybe it's the thing you want to start in the new year, start planning these bits of stop, rest, delight, and contemplation. And that's actually almost a good linear plan for your day too. You start with stopping some things. You choose some restful behaviors, and then you delight what's a good thing that you want to do. And maybe uh, after all of that or in the midst of all that, you take some time for contemplation. So take your best, best crack at taking out your calendar and actually putting blocks of these different things that you've already written down in your next week. And then try it. The best thing you can do next is to try this. And know that you're a part of a community that's committed to doing this, that wants to encourage one another in doing this, and try this. The last thing I would say, and I've already said this, is that I would encourage you, if you're going to choose to do this on Sunday, uh, which is a great day to do it, uh, consider community dinners and dinner church as a part of that connection with God and your neighbors that can really boost your Sabbath practice. So there's Sabbath. Uh, I hope that you can choose this. I hope that you can choose this behavior or this practice in your life. I really do think it's the one thing that will consistently create that rope in the midst of the blizzard that is our modern life. So, what do you got to do this week to choose this? Who do you have to talk to a significant other or a spouse, an employer, something to make these changes in your life? Write a list, get after it, and enjoy. gift of sabbath that is for you all right i know i said i was done but i could not resist doing some just real practical faq about sabbath these are questions that i've gotten before some of them are here in this resource by emotionally healthy spirituality and This is a really practical thing in your life. So I think it's worth just kind of cruising through some practical questions about Sabbath. I know you've listened a long time or watched a long time. But if you're wanting to get in the nitty gritty of this, this this is going to be a meaningful practice in your life. I'm sure there's going to be some questions that come up. So I'm going to try to tackle some of those as quickly as I can. Just real practical. And then uh, if you've got any questions that I don't cover, put that in the chat below, wherever you're watching, or email me directly directly at jd at mpls.com And I want to help you do this. I'm I'm here to help um, and answer questions, walk through this uh, together with you. And if you want to sit down and talk this through and design this uh, with someone, I'm here for you. Let's do it. All right. Here are some questions. Let me find them. Here are some questions that come up about Sabbath. Question number one. Why do I need to keep a Sabbath for a whole 24-hour period in my week? As I alluded to earlier in the video, that has become my suggestion, the 24 hours. I think our bodies are in constant momentum. That means even when we wake up, we've got things on our mind. And in my experience of doing this for over a decade, it takes me about... Um, you know, half a day to actually stop, to actually slow down. And I would say there are moments (coughs) where I can get some restful things in, like go to a coffee shop for a few hours, which are good, but to have a deep rhythm of life is going on at my house. Sorry about that. To have a deep rhythm of rest, I really recommend 24 hours. To have a deeply restful, consistent Sabbath, I think you really need a 24 hour period. And Also, half day periods seem to get taken over easily or easier. So for this to really be a centerpiece of your week, the cornerstone of your week, the cornerstone of your practice of uh, the practice of following the way of Jesus, you really need to have an anchor of 24 hours, I recommend. All right, question number two. How do I go about deciding what specific activities are acceptable and unacceptable for, for Sabbath? All right, now we're getting a little legalistic. This is why I gave you at the end of the video uh, just some markers. So really simple. Is this restful for me? Is this worshipful for me? Um, and then the other questions, what do I need to do to actually stop? Um, Is this helping me stop or is this not stopping as far as work or the other responsibilities that I feel connected with? So run everything through that simple lens. Is this restful or worshipful? And I think you'll be all right. Question number three, do I need a day off and a Sabbath? I think I talked about the difference between those two, a day off and a Sabbath, and I recommend yes. I recommend you work five days and you take a day off. Uh, One day um, that you can work on your life um, and do the things you need to do to keep the household running, keep your life running, uh, and then have something, uh, a Sabbath dedicated uh, for restful connection with God and others. So, yes, uh, I would keep them separate for all the reasons that I mentioned in the video. Number four. What do I do with a tendency towards perfectionism? So um, there is no perfect Sabbath. Like uh, we've had over the 10 years, some pretty frustrating ones. Sometimes we're traveling and we don't get to practice it. So this is not, uh, no one's keeping score. This is a practice, a habit, a cornerstone of your life. They're not always gonna be amazing. Sometimes you're not gonna know what to do. Sometimes you'll be in a rush. You haven't planned ahead. The most important thing is to just do it. And realize that if you're going to spend the day with God, there's going to be grace involved. So give yourself plenty of grace. Number five, isn't Jesus our Sabbath rest? Is this another works righteousness? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not works righteousness. No one's earning their way to heaven through Sabbath. So just no. this is God's gift to you. It's a grace. It's a practice. Disciplines are ways in which we intentionally uh, uh, put ourselves in the flow of God's grace for us. They're not things we do to earn God's grace. Number six, how do I cease working from parenting? Oh my gosh, this is one of the trickiest things, as you can hear my children, probably in the background. Christian Ann and I have had to try a couple different things uh Um, throughout the growth of our family. And one of them is to just choose something that will occupy the kids in order for each of us to have space. Sometimes the other is watching the kid to give the other a little more space, particularly for the contemplation piece of things or connecting with God. Uh, We have employed the practice of having uh, like a Sabbath toy box, which is like special, special toys that come out on Fridays, uh, in the Sabbath. Also, we've done some things to engage our kids in the practice of Sabbath, um, by having some habitual things. So we have Friday pancakes, which is a really fun thing for kids to have pancakes. It's a sweet treat. It's a great way to start. They ask for pancakes many days of the week, but we reserve that as a special thing for the Sabbath. So, uh, it's something that you do with your kids, but, um, there's no shame in employing a babysitter, putting on their favorite show for a little bit. And I know that seems counterintuitive without the screens. If you can do it without the screens, great. But there's also just some practical trade offs as a parent to create the margin you need for yourself and also engage with them in that. So we can talk more about that if you want to. Um, I want to address how do I practice Sabbath? Uh, A question out of this is like, how do I practice Sabbath with kids who are older? And I don't have any kid over five years old, but what I've learned from people who who do this is that doing it with them matters most. And by with them, I mean, designing it with them. I don't mean that you have to spend every minute of every day because an older preteen or something will maybe roll their eyes a little bit about how much time is assumed that they're with the family. And you need to lead them as a parent through the same process and say, we are practicing Sabbath as a family. Here's what that means. We're going to choose things that help us stop from all the anxieties in our life. We're going to choose things that are restful. We're going to choose things that we delight in, and we're going to choose ways of connecting with God and others. So what does that mean for you? And posing that question to your child who has the capacity to answer it at probably whatever age above like preschool can answer those questions for them, for themselves and say, this is what it means. And that might also mean uh, hanging out with friends or doing something apart from you or um, help them build the capacity to actually differentiate what fills them up and what is just entertaining and help them choose those things and navigate that in your own parenting style. Of course, you can <laughs> if you ask a 5-year-old that they're going to say ice cream, tons of sugar, tons of movies, tons of all these different things. So you're going to have to help them learn and grow what's actually restful for them. What about sports and extracurricular activities? There's a kind of a surface answer and deeper answer to this. The surface answer is that might work as something that you delight in. If one of your kids loves playing soccer, it might be something for them to do. While you're at the soccer game, though, uh, don't use it as an opportunity to check your work email. Find something that you can delight in along with them. That's the complication of doing Sabbath with the family. Um, find some uh, negotiation there and figure that out. The other thing I just want to say, and I just admittedly, I'm not in this zone yet, so I, I don't have kinds of understanding but um the youth sports world is kind of taking over families lives and i have to be honest as a pastor to say i'm not sure that's good for our kids and i think they'll be okay if they miss a few practices maybe even a game and you can call me out on my ignorance right now for not having kids in sports but like from the outside looking in and even experiencing that in my own life, there's hyper-compativity, and you have to start asking questions, how is that forming your child? Uh, do you want to choose Sabbath with them, for them, as a resistance to that culture where every kid's going to be a professional athlete? I'm sorry, but they're not, even if they're very gifted. The likelihood of them doing that is really low, and the Narrative of them having to make every single practice and be there every single time. I don't, I think as Christians, we need to challenge that and really think um, is that something that's pushing our lives along or do we have ownership over our own bodies? That's the kids' sports version, is this version (laughs) of what work sometimes does to us, as if I'm just being a cultural armchair cultural commentator theologian so something to consider on a deeper deeper level next question how like jesus can we exercise compassion on the sabbath without turning it into work i love this question and it's something i didn't really get to get into into the main content of this teaching but compassion and i love that cuz that's basically what we do at dinner church hospitality like open-heartedness towards the neighbor uh, is a beautiful part of what Sabbath can be. And it's it's about, that's about like taking it to the next level with Sabbath is incorporating what that means in your life. But without making that like a have to or legalism. So just be careful, like choose something uh, that works in your rhythm, but always be ready to reassess if it's actually um, bringing you life and rejuvenating you, or if it's becoming a kind of a, you're working towards something. So, um, honestly, frankly, that's what I love about dinner church, um, in that you show up, you sit around your neighbors and you're open hearted with them. And if you've had a day of Sabbath or some point in your week of Sabbath, you're ready to offer compassion in those spaces. So that's a great question. Uh, which uh, practical question, question number, whatever we're on, um, which day should I do Sabbath? Is it right to do it Saturday or Sunday? And I just really want to relieve all that pressure and say what day works with, for you. And part of the, your answer to that question is also your community. Like, uh, this is why I would, uh, I would recommend you consider Sunday if it's possible for you because then you have a built-in practice of dinner church of, of or if you're not from North City, connecting with whatever community you connect with as a really integral part of Sabbath, a really integral part of connecting and attuning with God and others. So that's kind of why I would recommend that, but it's really whatever space, whatever day works with work and the flow of your week. All right that's it for my FAQs. Thank you for listening to this video. If you've got more questions about Sabbath, I'm crazy about it. I've learned a lot about it. I love the practice and totally convicted that it's a centerpiece of what it means to follow in the way of Jesus. Do this for yourself, Uh, create this margin in your life, and let me help you by coaching you through it if you want to talk about it. Thanks.